Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. Though we try to make Cancer for Breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. (laughs) Hi, Amy. Hi, Steph. This is Cancer for Breakfast. Welcome. And hey, it's episode two. We're making it happen. We're, We're doing it. Yeah, if you're listening to this, it means that we are not horribly embarrassed with our podcast because we've actually put it out into the world. Um, So that's good news. Or we are embarrassed and we're using a growth mindset. (laughs) So this episode, we're not going to do any letters because it's our second episode. So send us letters. They don't have to be super long. They don't have to be super short. They don't have to like be beautifully poetic or well-written they could be funny they could be weird they could be sad they could be whatever you're you know whatever you want to tell us something that people of our kind can relate to they they could be an answer to this question how do you take floaty pills Mm. you know the kind that have like the little smaller things inside of the gel capsule and then when you Put them in your mouth and then you take a drink. They float to the top of your mouth and you gag. So just like a gel capsule. Like, like, do you mean that go together like the two sides of the gel cap so that there's stuff inside of them and then they float because it's a liquid? They float in your mouth. Yes. And then it just like goes to the top of my mouth. I'm not a great pill taker, but, you know, do you have a hot tip for how to take floaty pills? Hit me with it. Send it in. We'll take anything. I am a pretty good pill taker. Um, one thing that has helped me is getting cancer because (laughs) (laughs) done. This is actually kind of funny and like ha ha sad funny, but I used to have this like weird thing when I would take vitamins and things like pre-cancer, I would sort of envision as I was tossing them into my mouth because sometimes like your fingernails might click your teeth or the, the actual pills themselves sound like fingernails clicking your teeth Mm -hmm. or something. I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that my fingernails fell off in my mouth, oh which is, which was like so gross, but I would do it kind of like frequently or whatever, where I would just like take some vitamins and then like have that visualization for a second and then just like be like, whatever. And then drink them down and life would go on. Uh-huh. But this is the like funny part. Tell me that's not your tip, please. Envisioning <laughs> that your fingernails have fallen off in your mouth. I mean, it might distract you. <laughs> no, but what's funny is towards the end of keep mowing after it, some of my fingernails did start coming off <laughs> and I like thought it was really like fun. I mean, it sucked because like you want to have fingernails, but it was funny because I was taking more pills than I've ever taken in my life. But like not that in my fingernails actually came into my mouth. No, <laughs> but I was sort of like laughing, like, ha ha ha. Like, remember when you used to <laughs> worry about your nails falling off and now all you do is take pills and not have fingernails. 
Uh, well, uh, look uh. at you now. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. And it didn't hurt at all. The nails are fine. They grow back. Who cares? Okay, so I'm going to put a pin in that one. And I would welcome <laughs> any other tips for how to take floaty pills. <laughs> all right. So we are skipping letters. We already told you that. We're just going to have another episode. And this one is going to be a fun one. We will do a research study. Steph's going to present again this episode. Oh, and the next two episodes, do you want to tell them what we have coming up? There are diagnosis stories. Yeah. So Amy is first. Yeah, next episode. She's going to tell hers. And then after Amy's diagnosis story, the episode following that will be mine. Mm-hmm. Tune in. Yeah, we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to talk about the spiritual side Ooh. of cancer. <laughs> Also, my son may interject with some clarinet. Oh, oh God. Because he's uh, in band class on Zoom down the hall. So if you hear a random honking, that is <laughs> my son. I hope so. I want that. <laughs> I want to hear it. It's the times, the sign of the times. Let's make a game out of it. The game is if we do hear George make a noise with his clarinet, um, Everybody listening gets good luck for the rest of the day. That yeah, is the game. I like that. So you wanted to get into some um, some spiritual um, cancer talk today, and I would absolutely love to entertain this. What was it that happened that made you kind of? I mean, other than being diagnosed yeah. with cancer and thinking about the world yeah. in a totally massive way that you <laughs> like, couldn't believe that now is possible. Um, I will say that uh, I have always been sort of a, a witchy person. And so me too. You know, I, I can get behind the herbs and the um, and the tarot and the intuitive processes Kind of. Although, yeah. also, it, it does bother me when people try to apply that too much to cancer stuff because I don't want to go so far that I'm like eschewing modern medicine. Right. So, and that's where it becomes harmful or hurtful, I find. Or like your, your mindset wasn't positive enough. Yeah. But I'm all for anything. Like, I had friends like sending me like Reiki vibes and stuff when I was going through yes. chemo and I was like, bring it on, you know? And then I had like Christians praying for me and I was like, thank you. Bring it on. You know, like I'm down for whatever. Yes, exactly. But I'm, Oh, I always say the thing about the crystals, like sleep next to crystals or something. I'm totally down with crystals. I think crystals rule, but don't, you know, don't rely on crystals alone. I think about that a lot because my mom had a friend who I think was in all these like breastfeeding groups because she got to be in breastfeeding groups. I have to be in breast cancer groups. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I was in breastfeeding <laughs> groups, too. Um, like, you know, in like the late 70s and early 80s, she and all these other moms and stuff. And one of them got freaking breast cancer and was kind of a part of this woo-woo community and had some kind of leadery dude. I, I don't think it was like anywhere near a cult or whatever, but, um, but the people in her community convinced her that she didn't need uh, modern medicine and that oh, crystals no. would help her and that everybody praying around her and with the crystals would help her. And then she fucking died. Oh. And what's crazy about that is 
her daughter was diagnosed. Like, I don't know these people. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. like a friend of my mom's mentioned it to me that this woman's daughter was diagnosed like right around the time I was diagnosed. Yeah. And so she's probably like my age. Wow. Maybe she was a kid in the breastfeeding group or something. I don't know. Um, But I just think about like, fuck, she didn't get to have her mom because of this woo woo bullshit. So that's where it's harmful. And we're not going to talk about that shit today about like any of that. Right. Right. We do not condone the use of crystals in lieu of any other treatment. But you can give us both Reiki if you want. If you're listening. Yeah, send those vibes. <laughs> we'll accept. Okay, so tell us tell us what happened. Yeah, so um, one really cool thing, and I don't want to brag about this too much because I know not everybody has to go to a major cancer center with all of these resources. Just brag about but, it. But like, I put in my time at free clinics, guys, so like, I promise this is a new experience for me. So I'm just like really excited about it. Here's the thing in the cancer community, you're newer to this community than I am. Yeah, Let me tell yeah, yeah. you in my experience, everybody is just happy for everybody else. Any little thing you have in your corner, nobody's like, why don't I have a better hospital? They're like, Oh, I'm so glad she has a good hospital. And I'm so glad she likes her oncologist. You know, I hope that's true. Yeah. It is true. Like, and people have survivor's guilt or, yeah. Treatment guilt or I didn't have to do chemo and my friend had to do it. And I feel, you know, it's just like your friend is happy. You didn't have to do chemo. Like nobody. Yeah, it's, it's true. I That's how I feel, too. I, it's hard to apply those feelings to yourself. I think sure. for some of us, well, especially, you know, if you're if you're a woman. Yeah. And you're programmed to feel guilty about everything. I love it. I just don't want anybody to be jealous of my cancer treatment. It's <laughs> <laughs> like so, so woman. <laughs> I just want to stay humble in the healthcare I'm getting. <laughs> okay, we realize you're you're trying to stay humble, but you have an excellent excellent clinic or hospital. I really do. And so, um what happened was I got a call yesterday from this person and she was like, "Hi, I um I'm from Seattle Cancer Care Alliance and um your responses on one of our surveys triggered a referral to my department." Love it. Love it. And um, these surveys, by the way, are really hilarious. I I am assuming that it wasn't a symptoms survey, like a um, physical symptoms survey, because I do fill those out, too. But um, these mental health surveys of like, how are you coping? Yes. I get them at every appointment, like mm-hmm. every time I get services. I, I love these things because I I feel like I've gotten them throughout my life you know, mm-hmm. randomly here and there. And you're, and usually you just lie on them because even if you have been nervous that week and anxious about something, you're like, I can handle it. And it was like, or like postpartum depression. I feel like when you're pregnant, you get those surveys and you're like, just right, please don't totally. take my baby. Yes, I cry every day, but please don't take my baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <gasps> I've read a book. I know it's normal, <laughs> but I do cry every day. Um, but then when I got diagnosed, I started getting them at every appointment. They don't give them to me anymore. They're like, whatever. But I do feel like the first, like, I don't know, two months or something, it, it was like every time I'd go in. And then I would just be like, 
marked like yes yes like yes whatever's the most because i was feeling that way when i was diagnosed i was like threes all the way down ma'am can you just draw a straight line through the three like i don't care who sees this like go give it to the front desk lady if she can help me like go if a patient in the waiting room can read this and make me better (laughs) um yeah and then they call you immediately yeah. They're like, okay. <laughs> right away. And they're like, they try to say it so tactfully. They're like, hi. So just looking over your survey. And I had to call you immediately because fucking yikes. Immediately. We are insanely worried about you. Um, We're going to refer you for psychiatric care, which is great. Again, the best psychiatric care I've ever gotten. Yeah. Yeah. What took you so long? Give me somebody. (laughs) Right? Help help me. Help me, please. So is that what happened? So I, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm not sure what what survey answer it was that, that triggered this referral. But so this, this gal calls and she's like, I'm from the spiritual services department and you know if you have a minute to chat Mm -hmm. i'd love to get to know you a little bit you know it was just like it was it was um surprising because uh spirituality is not really necessarily a part of my life that i would um identify as either important or lacking you know like it's not a thing that i really think about very often Mm -hmm. um So it was really cool. We had a really great talk and she challenged me to kind of explore these uh, these realms of spirituality that I haven't ever really thought about at all. And yeah, um, what a lot of what she said really honestly did totally resonate with me. Like she was like, you know, there are three like in with me and my colleagues, we think about these three realms of spirituality. And one is the like faith realm where you know, your your trust in a quote unquote higher power could be like one um, one figure, like a God, you know, sort of deal. Or it could be like faith in the universe or like faith that the universe is ordered toward justice or something like that. Um, and I was like, honestly, I'm sorry to say, but that's kind of like the opposite of what I believe. <laughs> so like, I think the universe seems mm-hmm. to be ordered toward shitting on everybody i don't know mm-hmm. um but then she said you know then the other two realms are the interpersonal realm where like how do you feel like you fit into humanity and mm-hmm. what's your role within your community and how do you feel uplifted by your role and um how do you you know do you, how much do you value doing things for others and things like that and then the third realm is the intrapersonal realm which is like uh she said really tactfully, some people might refer to as your soul, but just your intuition and your mental health and things like that. But I was like, wow, I'm really glad whatever fucked up survey triggered a referral because this is cool. So did you give her your answers to each one or was she just explaining what it was and saying this is something you can think about? Yeah, I did. And it was neat. She, um, she kind of elaborated a, a little bit on, on what she thought I might be interested in but she also said she was gonna give it more thought because I told her I'm a big reader and if she had any book recommendations um and she did recommend Viktor Frankl who's a holocaust survivor um who I haven't really read a lot of I know who he is but he basically um 
seems to write a lot about like what we owe each other and um, how your struggles in life and suffering can like mm-hmm. be meaningful. And it's interesting because at this particular stage in my cancer journey, I'm not really suffering very much. And I did tell her that I think it actually might be more beneficial for me to read this stuff because I can pass it on to my loved ones who honestly do seem to be suffering more than I am. Like, because people, especially like in COVID, when you can't see each other, I know that a lot of people Mm. are envisioning me like feebly typing out text messages to them, assuring them that I'm okay. But I'm like really actually okay right now. Even though there's obviously Mm -hmm. suffering in my future for many reasons, you know, like just generally the human condition. Um, Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see what she has to say and how she can kind of help me not only help myself, but also pass along these ideas and maybe, you know, help my greater community too, because activism and and Mm -hmm. community is really important to me. It's important to my family. Um, But yeah, it was cool. I think I think that sounds really great for you. And I think it's a good thing to have in place, like this relationship with this woman that you like find common interests with and you respect and you, you know, she's giving you book recommendations that you think are cool and she's like getting your vibe. Um, It's good that you're getting this off the ground while you are feeling like in control and like you can handle what you're up against that I mean to a degree it's like it's a lot but like yeah yeah as the months go on you're gonna find as we all find there are ups and downs Mm -hmm. like emotional that like it's like a weird ass train that you're on and like ride this part of it as long as you can where you are feeling good and positive but having this woman there to kind of like keep you rational about your emotions as you're going because I just feel like for me it would be like that where I would have these like weeks where I would be like you know what I've got this and this is okay and like when you look you know like just your frame of mind and how you're feeling physically if it's going mm-hmm. well you know it is like that where you you do know that all your friends are like thinking yeah <laughs> that you're like laying on the bathroom floor throwing up everywhere, yeah. which you might not be that week right. you know yeah. you're like I feel like it's better to have this relationship before you're in an existential crisis yeah. so yeah I'm I looking know. forward to building a relationship with this person yeah um, but yeah, it made me think like I, I told her a little bit about the way that people in my life have uh, been responding to yeah. my diagnosis. And um, one of my good friends is actually a prison chaplain. Wow. And she is a really, really cool and interesting person. Like, if you put us on paper side by side, I don't think anybody would ever have guessed we'd be friends. But Mm-hmm. She is um her religion is Eastern Orthodox, which to mm-hmm. me sounds very conservative and very mm-hmm. um rigid, but she is not. She's a very progressive, very cool, open-minded person and um she was so sweet because a little while I want to say like a month ago, 
I had gone over to her house to have like a socially distant yard chat with masks on. And um, we were chatting and her dad uh, has just passed away. Mm. And, um, you know, she's grieving. They were pretty close, but he was old, you know, Mm. no, no trigger warning necessary for an elderly parent. I hope passing away peacefully, but um, you know, she and I were talking a lot about grief and, oh, is that a clarinet I hear? Oh, yes. It is. Is it really? (laughs) (laughs) I hate to interrupt you, but I would just like everybody listening and you, Steph, to have good luck today. Good luck. You've earned it. I apologize. How unprofessional. (laughs) Amazing. Okay, go on. It was, I feel like that interruption was worth it. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's great. Um. Anyway, we were talking about grief and like, and faith and how, you know, she was able to participate in some like morning rituals that were really meaningful to her. And she felt like that really helped her to deal with her dad's death. And um, we were talking about like Jewish, culturally Jewish uh, morning rituals and stuff like that. So it was a really nice chat. And then a couple, um, like maybe a week later, she was like, okay. I have something for you, but like, I don't want to be rude and you're probably never going to want to speak to me again. And this is so weird. And I know you're not religious and I'm so sorry in advance. (laughs) And it was just this like full of caveats. Mm -hmm. But um, long story short, what it was is she found for me this ribbon. um, And I guess, you know, Eastern Orthodox People believe still in like the magic. I don't want to say magic. I hope I'm not offending anybody with this because I honestly do think it's cool. But the magic of like the Blessed Virgin, they call her Theotokos. And um, so on this island in Greece, there's a monastery that has possession, supposedly, of the belt of Theotokos, which is like Mary's veil or belt or some kind of it's iffy, whether it's a veil or a belt or whether they called veils belts. I don't know. Anyway, what they do is they like have ribbons that they put on this veil and it's like a holy ancient relic. And Mm -hmm. then they are supposed to be used to cure women's diseases like infertility Hmm. and like women's quote unquote women's cancer. So like ovarian cancer and breast cancer Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um. And so she was like, this is so weird because like I used one of these ribbons when um, I was trying to get pregnant and she ended up not getting pregnant, which I thought was a really fascinating aspect because Mm. she believed that it actually led her to the adoption of her son. Mm. Um, And she was like, I don't believe that, you know, this is magical and it's going to just make all your wishes come true. But I do believe Mm -hmm. that it helps further what's meant to be. And she was like, what I believe is meant to be is that you're meant to get healthy. So, I mean, we can agree to disagree on that one. But um, I was like, you know what? I think this is awesome. I'm all in, whatever. Like she went to Mm -hmm. so much trouble to get this thing for me. Yeah. And um, so she came over, she brought it to me and she told me all about it. It came with this little like leaflet. Um, And she created a special prayer for me that was prefaced with like, 
Because I guess what you're supposed to do is you're you're supposed to every day read this prayer or recite this prayer. And um, so she prefaced this prayer with like, I am not a believer, but my dear friend is. Mm-hmm. And um, like, I, you know, like basically I'm leaning on her faith and the powers of this ribbon. And I don't know, man, like 10 years ago, Stephanie would have laughed in my face and been like, (laughs) what in the hell are you doing? But to me, this was so beautiful. And it was like, not only that she wanted me to be, you know, she, she, her belief in this item, I think was special, but that she went to so much trouble to do this for me and that she was willing to go out on a limb. And I was like, Jenny, this is beautiful. Her name's Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Um, But yeah, I was like, you don't have to apologize for doing this for me. I think it's really special. And, you know, whatever it does for me, at the very least, it's a reminder that I have an awesome friend who is thinking about me and wishing me well every single day. Yeah. And using a part of themselves that's extremely important to them, yeah. you know, to share with you in a way that I feel like religious people of many varieties, like this is a better way of sharing something about your religion or like it was like a no strings attached gift, even though it is a literal string and it's attached <laughs> to my body. <laughs> And now you're going to church with her on Wednesday night. Um, (laughs) I think it's great. I think that's so kind of her. My friend sent me, I mean, she's not religious, but there is something very sweet and very old things coming to you that, you know, but she sent me um, some sand from, I don't actually remember the region where it was from that she had traveled to and collected like, I don't know. 10 or 15 years ago Aww. like she didn't travel there because yeah. she found out i had cancer and get me sand she already had the sand <laughs> but she did choose to share some with me so she sent me this little bottle of it and then she wrote me this beautiful card and if i can find it i'll actually read it to you guys in another episode because it's like pretty cool the message in it was like this is sand i got from this area that they say the um the blast that killed the dinosaurs happened or whatever a gazillion billion years wow. ago um and then it all rebuilt itself over another gazillion billion years. She wrote this a lot more eloquently. <laughs> this is I'm not reading the note. How beautiful. <laughs> and factual. Um, and she just kind of said, like, I just think about how amazing life is and the world is and time and how amazing it actually yeah. is. And like you're holding this bottle right there with, you know. Yeah. A gazillion pillars of sand. I don't know. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, And she really did write it eloquently because she's like literally a wonderful author of books and award-winning journalist. So what's up, Jean? That's so cool. Um, Yeah, it was really nice. I kind of wish it didn't take a health crisis to open mm-hmm. me up to all of the possibilities of the universe. I know. This sounds, it's even, the skeptic in me and the cynic in me is still just like, oh, I can't believe you're saying this. Mm-hmm. And I've always yeah. been somebody who's really impressed by by the magnitude of things. But 
for whatever reason, I could never make that leap to like, I don't understand everything and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are things that are unknowable, whatever. I don't know. Now I'm there. So, yeah, well, I mean, when I was a normal person, I actually went to this thing. They have it in Portland. I think it's a national organization. I'm not sure what cities have this organization called death cafe where um in portland it was like in this crazy weird like mansion type house Mm -hmm. that like lets community events happen in the first floor so it was like really fun walking up to like this absolutely magical mansiony looking house in this very fancy neighborhood like all by myself i like signed up totally being like this is going to be weird but i'm totally going but They invite you to come and it's all strangers. Like you're not supposed to like go with people, you know, or anything like that. And this is when I joined the cult. No, I didn't. Um, (laughs) And then I gave them $20,000 and I work for them now. And that's why I wanted to start this podcast. Um, But no, they just break you up into like groups of maybe like six strangers and then one person at the table has been to one of these death cafes before or maybe it's like some instruction or something Mm -hmm. i don't know but then they kind of guide you and you go around the circle and then you like just talk about death for like an hour an hour and a half with these strangers in and they ask you these like kind of prompting questions and then we all go around the circle and I, i can't really remember the questions or too much of like mm-hmm. what everybody talked about i just remember being like this is so weird because you don't talk about it in yeah, this way yeah. like i mean you sometimes do to a degree but not in the way that this was where yeah everybody had to like go around the circle and say even like why they were there you know like what prompted them to come and so you know yeah. like somebody might be like my wife died two months ago and I'm just like here and somebody else might be like I'm terminally ill and somebody else might be like I took a class and I'm really fascinated and like been reading these books or whatever you know so like everybody has these ideas and somebody else is like I thought this was speed dating (laughs) (laughs) and that's where I met Kevin um (laughs) yeah exactly but it was so cool and that sounds awesome I I think there's not a lot of stuff like that. But yeah, so it's called Death Cafe. You like can't guarantee it's in a mansion in every city where they have it. But that was kind of like a little bit of a cool thing. Yeah, bonus. Yeah, sure. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. I I have for a long time followed the Order of the Good Death, which is kind of um, Caitlin Dowdy's uh, project. Um, she's a mortician mm-hmm. and um, she is also a person who does a lot of cool things around um, around death and normalizing it and green burials and things like that. Mm-hmm. I do think that there's just a, a really big problem with the way we deal with death in our culture. Like there's no escape. Um, mm-hmm. So you may as well just talk about it and process it and get there before yeah. it's in your face because... I think about when I had, when I was giving birth and, mm-hmm. um, I, all of my labors were very, very short. Um, I had very short labors and, um, you're not processing that with a 
hey, don't get jealous of me. Yeah. <laughs> don't be mad. Cause, cause this doesn't apply with the whole cancer. Everyone wants everyone to be happy. Like my, my labors was so hard. That may be why I got cancer. <laughs> yeah, so there was out. some sort of like tables that yeah, needed yeah. to be leveled. That must be it. But, but like my, my youngest child, my labor was literally 15 minutes long. Oh my God, and, I love it. Um, the other two were a little bit longer and I had great time. I had honestly had a great time in them. It was fine. It was manageable. <laughs> but then with the 15 minute long one, I was like, shit, I can't get ahead of this. Like I can't find a place where I can like take a breath and feel confident. And like my body is just in this like panic mode. Wow. That must have been a really hard 15 minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. It's that's okay. all I have to reference. <laughs> I've lived a charmed life. Mm. But yeah, I mean, like, I just think about that. Whereas you don't want to wait until you're like terminally ill to start thinking about death and what it means to you and what it means to your family. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not like thinking about death right now, maybe you should just kind of try to normalize it, get a little bit more comfortable I with know. it. I am all for talking about it and looking more into it but it is a very overwhelming like fucked up thing clearly um and i do remember and if any of these people are listening that were at this dinner i'm not mad at all i promise (laughs) um but maybe like i don't know a month and a half after i got diagnosed and it was like before chemo and it was like a, a few weeks after my first surgery or something like that yeah and i mean this was like when i'm in like prime holy fuck i'm totally gonna die and like mm-hmm. yeah i'm gonna like just awful awful things um i'm like at this dinner with all these friends at this like really cool little restaurant. It's one of our friends birthdays and then somehow somebody brings up um, how weird it is that we're all going to die. And like, like I said a second ago, like nobody just talks around with their friends about death. Like yeah. they do, but it's in a different way than death cafe. Yeah. Um, but in this particular instance, um, it was like, I don't even know what brought it up, but then, you know, somebody else was like, I know it's like so trippy. Like everyone at this table, like someday or like all of us will just be like not even here i know man it's like really crazy and like you know they sounded kind of like like amy could be dead this time next year <laughs> an orphan her daughter yeah exactly um and no, so i was just like no. sitting there like i actually like picked up a book on the table that was a gift for one of the women one of the women whose birthday it was the only woman whose birthday it was um i picked up the, her book and just started like looking at it so that I could take myself out of the conversation. Like, like I was trying to mentally bring my brain into reading the words and not hearing them because it was suddenly, I was really hoping you were going to say that you hit them all with this book. No, I just like ran out of the restaurant (laughs) crying and then I started the book on fire. No, I just tried to block them out. And then they kind of kept talking about, like, what a trip it was. Um, And, you know, to me, it felt like a conversation that, like, you hear on college campuses at every coffee shop with, like, people that are just, like, talk, you know. Um, And then finally I was like, hey, you guys, could you please stop talking about this right now? And they were, like, silent. Like, 
oh fuck. Like it didn't even cross anybody's mind. And I was like, because like, I don't have this luxury anymore to be like, yeah, it's not a thought experiment. Isn't it trippy? It's like, I've spent the last month and a freaking half, like thinking the darkest thoughts. And like, I can imagine it. It's not a fucking trip to me anymore. It's like, I could absolutely see the steps. Yeah. My life could be taking rapidly to that happening and the stakes are fucking high yeah and like i just can't sit here i mean i didn't say necessarily all of this stuff I just, <laughs> <laughs> but but this is how i was feeling though like I, I don't have a luxury anymore to just like whoa what a trip about death like and it is kind of in that way where when you're 10 and like you know you're gonna get your period at some point but like you kind of can't believe it, even though you know, or like, you know, you're going to like have someone else's tongue in your mouth in a yeah, few years, yeah. but like you, you cannot believe it. Like there's nothing you can say to me <laughs> to make me believe. Um, and then it yeah, happens yeah. and then you do believe it. And then, you know, you're like, duh, but that's, that's how I think death feels like, yeah, you know, what's going to happen. You believe it, but you still cannot fucking fathom it. And then you get cancer and suddenly you're like, I yeah. am Julia Roberts in Steel Magnolias. I am her character. I yes, am a fucking, yeah. um, yep. what's that beautiful brown haired woman's name in Beaches? <laughs> what is her name? Barbara Hershey. Hershey. Barbara Hershey. I'm fucking Barbara Hershey in Beaches. And I'm the girl in my girl who gets stung by bees. I'm fucking dead. I'm her. I'm that character. And everybody's sad. Yeah. Like, you know, so... It is really fucked up. And like, I think about the spirituality aspect or whatever of myself. And I don't know if this is spirituality, but like, just like believing in the world and believing in like, like my own witchiness sort of became a curse for me after my diagnosis because I do have really strong intuition and I always have and like my good friends know that about me and like I don't know like not to sound totally crazy or whatever and this doesn't happen to me anymore but there was like maybe a five-year period where I would like pretty frequently have sort of like psychic dreams where I would like dream certain things about people and then talk to them about them and the people would be like oh my god and like really specific things and I'm also a very rational person who's like well you believe this about yourself. And so you started talking to people about your dreams. And then of course they just like wrecking, you know, like, yeah, like other people that don't think that maybe don't talk to people about their, what is that called? Like Like verification bias. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. That's been kind of like a big part of who, how I feel about myself or who, yeah, how I identify as like my, my soul is like intuitive. Yeah, you identify as an intuitive person. Yeah. And then when I got diagnosed and I was having these really, really terrible thoughts about like, even though my doctor was saying, you know, this should be okay. I mean, like my risk is yeah. not nothing. I definitely can have recurrence. Yeah. I definitely can, you know, go stage four at any moment, but it's not like they were trying to tell me that was going to happen to me. Um, but just my intuition about 
feeling so strongly like I was Barbara Hershey <laughs> and Peaches. It started to really trip me out because I was like, do I know something? Like, do I actually believe that I am going to orphan my daughter? Like, do I actually believe that? And if I do, and I also believe that I'm an intuitive person that like kind of knows stuff, then what the fuck do I do with that? And then if I don't believe that, if I just say, that's just what cancer says to you. Well, I think that was that was the case with you and me, too, when I was in the process of getting diagnosed and I was just like, my intuition is telling me that my body is riddled with cancer and, um, you know, like, I feel just feel really drawn like my focus is really drawn to my armpit and I feel like it's just all in my lymph nodes and stuff and you were like no that's a cancer lie I felt exactly the same way and and like it's one of those things where like you 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 can't really like flip a coin and say I intuitively know it's going to be heads because it's a 50 50 shot you know like some of us are going to be right but that doesn't mean it was our t- intuition. It means that just statistically, I know some of us are going to be right. But like, yeah. still, it's really hard. And I do think that like so much of it is just being a perceptive person and mm-hmm. paying attention to details. Like we are both Virgos in the extreme. Mm-hmm. And um, I do. I love noticing small details. I'm a really great gift giver because of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like these are just things about us. That, and it's OK to identify with those. But then you can't like build up neuroses based yeah. on that because that's what I tend to do also. But cancer yeah. does tell you lies. Don't not trust your intuition. Mm-hmm. I do think a little bit of me has kind of laid to rest the weight of how in- intuitive I think I am or, or how like a little bit witchy or psychic I, I can be like, and I think I'm okay with that, but I do, I don't think I'll ever fully not trust my intuition. Cause I think like as mm-hmm. human beings, that's actually something in us that keeps us alive and like yeah. away from the guy in the alley. But, but I think that the, the level of kind of like, trust in my whatever I do need to admit a lot of that was just being observant of shit that would happen to me yeah and I think that's okay but I also need to like admit that the that's what cancer does that's what your brain pathways do they try to find like how can this make sense what's going on blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know like, yeah. especially when you're like in trauma and there's a huge threat coming to you and like I don't know, in a way you have to like prepare for the worst. So your brain is like doing it. I don't know. It's fucked yeah, up. And it's hard. I kind of, I envy the people whose neural pathways led them to like, yes, my loved one is in a cloud in the sky, frolicking yeah. with all of our dead pets. Like that's Great. it. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't believe that. And I, I do, you know, at this point in my life, kind of envy people who, that that makes sense to them because it seems like a lovely place to land, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Check back next week when I am an evangelical Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not try anything? Yeah. Um. Do you want to do the study or do you want to 
have any more woo talk? I will be honest and say I always have more woo to offer, but mm. I, I am also excited about talking about this uh, new development that I learned of. What is it? So it's not really a research study, but it is a new development in immunotherapy, um, which I think people kind of all agree is the next frontier in cancer treatment. Um, so this particular therapy is called CAR, C-A-R, T-cell therapy. And the CAR stands for chimeric antigen receptor T-cell therapy. So um, T-cells we know are like a um, lymphocyte, right? It's like part of your blood. This is a therapy that's currently being offered at New York Presbyterian, Columbia Irving Medical Center, and Weill Cornell Medical Center. So what it is, is it's a novel therapy that genetically alters a person's own immune cells to fight their cancer. And it's only right now approved for some certain blood cancers like large B-cell lymphoma and acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or ALL. Um, And these treatments are only right now for patients that either haven't responded to chemo and bone marrow transplants or have had like a recurrence after previous treatments worked. So these are people with really dire situations right now. But um, it seems like researchers are very, very optimistic about the long-term uses of this therapy. So it's in trials right now for other types of cancer, like some other lymphomas and even some solid tumors. Um, So solid tumors are like the ones like... um, that you get an actual like lump or a growth versus blood mm-hmm. cancers and stuff like that that are so um what they do for this treatment is they take blood from the patient they like hook you up to it uh, it's called an apheresis machine so they take your blood the machine skims off the t cells or the lymphocytes um same thing t cell lymphocyte And um, then it returns the blood to the patient without those Mm T-cells. The T-cells are then shipped to a lab to be genetically modified and proliferated. So basically, this lab makes them super, super potent Mm T-cells and then makes more of them. And so then those get shipped back and they um, go to the same patient that they came from. So the patient then gets a weak dose of chemo just to reduce their own T-cell count. And from what I read, it's just like a single dose of Mm -hmm. chemo to drive your own T-cells down. And that's to make room for the new super potent Mm T-cells. And then you get your T-cells back in an infusion and the new T-cells attack the cancer cells. So this is like a huge, huge deal. Um, The researchers that I was reading talk about this said that it's analogous to the origins of like chemotherapy, of radiation therapy, of like bone marrow transplants. So um, basically right now they're limiting it to these patients who are in really dire situations because it can cause um, 
an acute inflammatory response that requires hospitalization. And it can also cause neurotoxicity that makes you like dizzy and things like that. But this goes away. So basically, these are people with like no other options. So like, whatever, you know, may as well shoot for the moon. And um, most people recover completely from these inflammatory and neuro response weirdness things. Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, responses seem to be the best from what I read in child leukemia cases, oh, wow. which is really cool. They said 60 to 70 percent do very well and see like a long term um, good response. That's amazing. 40% of adults with lymphoma had a really good response long-term. So this is like bringing people back from the brink, basically. Um, and then they're saying that there are definitely going to be, um, they're currently in trials for like pancreatic use for, um, a specific type of thyroid cancer. And so like those are currently in trials, but they said the uses for this is probably, they're probably going to be pretty wide reaching, but right now they are offering these therapies in these three hospitals. So I got this uh, info from um, nyp.org, which is New York Presbyterian, and then also cancer.gov. And the two main researchers on the article that I read, uh, the articles were Dr. Cohen Van Bessian and Dr. Ran Reshef. But there's quite a bit of info out there if you wanted to look up the um, the C-A-R, CAR, T-cell therapies. It sounds really exciting. And like, yeah. especially for, I mean, I... <laughs> I just remember when I was a kid, I feel like there was, we we all knew maybe one kid in our elementary school or whatever who got leukemia and um, didn't have a good outcome or, you know, like hung on for a while and then, mm-hmm. and then died. Um, but that's a, it's a pretty scary kind of cancer, I think. Um, and I do know, I personally have a couple of friends who have like multiple myeloma and yeah, me too. This is a great, great, great thing. I think to hope for in wider yeah applications in the future. It sounds really exciting. So cool, cool science. Very cool. Great job. I love it. Thank you. I'd like to take full credit for this. <laughs> you researched so hard. <laughs> It's basically me and um, Dr. Van Bessian and Dr. Reshev just like on the team. They are going to be thanking you for your contributions. (laughs) Yeah. So also, like, if you have any of those, if you know, if you're in like late stage leukemia or something and you're in a position to travel, maybe talk to your oncologist about the possibility of these treatments. Do you know... What what states these hospitals are in? I didn't hear that part. It, do you not? Know? It looks like they're all East Coast. They're like, um, oh, okay, uh, New York Presbyterian, and um, what were, where were the others? Cornell, uh-huh. and Columbia. So yeah, like all cool, all around that area. Well, 
that sounds very promising and awesome. And I, I love that we do share these research presentations at the end. Of, yeah. Cause there, it is so positive to hear stuff like this and be like, science is amazing. Yeah. And you know, if you're not a person who enjoys like, doing that kind of research yourself. I am. I love it. In fact, I <laughs> I got invited to my friend's Zoom birthday party last week. I wasn't able to make it, but it was a it was a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> birthday party. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. This so perfectly sums up my friend group that like That is awesome. What would you have done? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. I recently did make a little um diagram of how to sew a simple skirt Aww. for my my friend's daughter. Um, I don't know. I just love shit like that. I love Skillshares, man. It's like yeah. one of the best things the world has to offer. A good Skillshare. <laughs> can we can we post a picture of the how to make a, a skirt on our Instagram? Yeah, I will put it up. I'll put it up. It's very easy to follow. It's just like very beginner level if you want to make a skirt. Cool. I do. And All right. I got you. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we should call it an episode, eh? I think so. I think that's good. Yeah. Um, we'll do letters again. Um, send them. Everyone hang in there. Everyone's doing a great job. Yeah. Go team. Have a great week. <laughs> See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. for Breakfast is hosted by Amy Diles and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehy. Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.